today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Here, God is reminding them of the reason for choosing and using the furnace of affliction to refine them, which is chiefly because of who He is and for the glory that is only His. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Listen, I'm allowing this. You listen to me, O Jacob and Israel. I'm allowing this. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. When we accept Jesus as our Lord, we are giving Him permission to do what He sees is best in our lives. He takes us through a process of refining, and quite often, it's not a pleasant experience. Pastor J.D. has this encouragement today. God is good, and everything he does is in love for our benefit and his glory. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah, chapter 48, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. It's a good thing to go through the affliction if you come out of it having learned a lesson from it. It is good for me to have been afflicted. I truly believe that this is what God is doing in this world today. He is allowing this affliction, and it's on a global scale. And it's what we talked about last week as well. It's to get us to let go, because He's about to deliver us. With the Israelites, we're going to see it with the Israelites in Babylon here in a moment, but with the Israelites in the Exodus, I mean, they were born into that. That's all they knew. So can you imagine... If Pharaoh would have just said, okay, Mo, I'll let him go. And he just lets him go. And then here's Moses going to the Israelites, saying, okay, you guys, let's go. Where? Well, what if I don't want to? I mean, come on. You know, it's not that bad. Yeah, but we got to do the same quota of bricks now. That's pretty bad. Yeah, but go. Well, sounds like we need... Ten plagues of affliction. And then they're going to want to go. And that's to me the why it is that God allowed all of that to happen the way it happened. By the time they got to that tenth plague, man, oh God, take us out. I am. You ready? I am now. I wasn't before. It was good that you afflicted me. It was good that those plagues happened. It was good that we had to get our own straw. It was good. You can just keep filling in the blanks. It was good that this happened. Look how many people have come to Jesus Christ because of what's happening, and are even now as we speak. And we'll see them in heaven. And had it not been for this, it would have never happened. It takes affliction. That's just the way it is. I wish it wasn't, but it is. That's the way it is. Affliction, hardship, difficulty, pain, suffering. 
And we're going to see it now. Listen to me, verse 12. Oh, Jacob. And Israel, there it is again. My called, I am he. I am the first. I am also the last. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand up together. They stand to attention. All they have to do is speak the word. Well, what's this about? Well, (laughs) here God is reminding them of the reason for choosing and using the furnace of affliction to refine them, which is chiefly because of who He is and for the glory that is only His. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Listen, I'm allowing this. You listen to me, O Jacob and Israel. I'm allowing this. I'm doing this because I am God and I alone will be glorified. I am the God of the end from the beginning. I stretched out the heavens. I laid the foundation. And when I speak the word, they stand to attention. That's me. And you're identified and associated with me. You're called by my name. You profess my name. This is for my name and my glory, and I will do it. Verse 14, all of you, assemble yourselves and hear who among them has declared these things. The Lord, and I want you to catch this and hold on to this. We're going to come back to this. The Lord loves him. He shall do his pleasure on Babylon, and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, verse 15, even I have spoken. Yes, I have called him. I have brought him, and his way will prosper. Now, this speaks of Cyrus yet future. But what God is declaring here is that in the end, the furnace of affliction, everything he does is ultimately motivated by his love for us. He does this because he loves me. This is not, again, God out of anger or vindictiveness, punishing us. No, God loves us. In fact, I love you so much, I've got to do this. If I didn't love you, I I wouldn't bother. Remember as a parent, when your kids were little, you told them, I'm doing this because I love you. (laughs) To which my children would always say, I wish you would love me less. (laughs) Or how about the one It's going to hurt me a lot more. It's going to hurt you. Well, then why hurt yourself? (laughs) Just, we could spare both of us this, you know, fate. No, I love you. I love you so much. I'm going to send a deliverer. I'm going to prophesy this through Isaiah, 150 to 200 years before his parents were even born, and even name him. I'm going to name him. His name is going to be Cyrus. And I'm going to prosper him in delivering you. But before I deliver you, I've got to turn the heat up in the furnace of affliction. So you'll want to be delivered. We're going to see that next. 
Verse 16, come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, I was there. And now the Lord God and His Spirit have sent me. Whoa, that's the Trinity right there. Did you catch it? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. This is Jesus Himself who bursts into the text, almost as if to introduce Himself and the Holy Spirit as Lord and Redeemer and the Holy Spirit, the Holy One of Israel, that guides us in the way, notice, leads you by the way you should go. This is the way, walk ye in it. This is good between me and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is directing us, sometimes redirecting us, sometimes correcting us. Why? Because He loves us. Think about with your children, your grandchildren, how much you love them, and how hard it is sometimes when you have to correct them, redirect them, just even direct them, provide them with direction. It's hard. I've often said that I've started businesses, owned and operated businesses. I've planted and pastored two churches. But combined, it is not as difficult as parenting. And that's not hyperbole. I, 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 being a business owner, <laughs> being a pastor, does not compare with how hard it is to be a parent. I mean, it's the hardest job I've ever had, <laughs> being a parent. Because as a parent, you love, you never knew you could love so deeply. You love them so much. And it's so hard. And you have to provide them with direction. And here you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who are going to teach you to profit, bless, be prospered, and lead you by the way you should go. We have to provide our children direction, especially in this day, especially with everything that's happening. How much more so, our Heavenly Father. Oh, verse 18, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand, and the offspring of your body like the grains of the sand. His name would not have been cut off, nor destroyed from before me. Here now is the heart of a loving, tender Heavenly Father. Tender, loving Heavenly Father. And it's almost like he's saying, oh, if you would have but obeyed me, the blessings that would have ensued in your life. And not just your life, your children and your grandchildren's life as well. If you would have but obeyed me, just taken heed to my word and walked in obedience, the peace that would have ensued would have flooded you like a river. 
the righteousness like the waves of the sea. And your descendants, I would have blessed and prospered you, but you tied the hands of my blessing with the ropes of your disobedience. You know what our problem is? We think that living an obedient Christian life is too hard. You know what's harder than being obedient? Being disobedient because of the consequences of disobedience. And by the way, as far as obedience is concerned, God will never command us to obey Him without also giving us the Holy Spirit in order to obey Him, because that's consistent with who God is. God's not going to command us. You know, His commands, John says, are not burdensome. God's not going to say, I command you, now get to it. What? No, He gives us the how of the Holy Spirit to obey the what of His Holy Word. He said, I'm going to, I command you to do this. Now here's the Holy Spirit that's going to enable you and empower you to obey this command that I've commanded you. That's the, the nature of God. Because if you think about it, if He didn't do that, then He would be party to our disobedience, and that's impossible. God cannot tempt us to sin or evil. If God's going to command us, to, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> the letter to the church in Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3, you obeyed my command to endure patiently. Now, I've read that and taught that jillions of times. And yes, jillions is a number. <laughs> and I know it said command, but it just, you know how it is when a very familiar passage of Scripture just, I mean, something leaps off the page. That's again the, the God's Word being alive and active. I mean, it just jumps off the page and slaps you in the face and goes, that was a command. He's commending them for obeying His command. What did He command them? He commanded them to endure patiently. Oh no, it's a command? No, that's a good thing. Why? Because if it's a command, then He's going to also give us the Holy Spirit so that we will obey the command. You almost want it to be a command. In fact, if it weren't a command, it would be like, God, can you make it a command so I can get the Holy Spirit, so that I can obey it? You want it to be a command. You obeyed my command to endure patiently. How did you obey? It's the how of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us and indwells us and empowers us to live a holy life. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the disciples, they were freaking out about Him, talking about dying and leaving them, and no, you know, why do you have to go? And He's like, no, don't worry, I have to go, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. You, in fact, you want me to go, because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. The Comforter. Go forth, verse 20, from Babylon. Flee from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing. 
Declare, proclaim this, utter it to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. And they did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow from the rock for them. He also split the rock and the waters gushed out. And in the last verse, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. That's what I mean by a disobedient life is harder than an obedient life. Never think for a second that the wicked sleep well at night. Never think for a second that the wicked, the non-Christian, have it better than us. Never think or murmur or complain. We don't want to call it that. We want to sanctify. So we call it lament. Sounds very spiritual. We lament. That's what pastors say instead of complain, because complain is so carnal. So I, I was lamenting. You were complaining. Come on. Never complain about how hard it is to live the Christian life. The, the world, the non-Christian, and this should, this should solicit pity and sorrow in our hearts on their part. I, I feel so sorry. You know, we often say it like this, what do the non-Christians do? I mean, we, we've got the Lord. How do they do it? I mean, we go to the Lord. Well, they go to the bottle, whether it's a bottle of pills or a bottle of alcohol. I feel sorry for them. They have no peace. Do you think they sleep well at night? I mean, yeah, they. we, we see them shed in this favorable light, but you don't know what's going on in their lives. They live a tormented life. They have no peace. The peace that is ours as Christians, the world knows nothing of it. They will never taste from that cup. Well, this is the declaration. Prophetically, Isaiah says of them to them, you're free, go. God has set you free. He has sent Cyrus to deliver you from captivity in Babylon. You would think they would be already packed. Let's go. Oh, praise the Lord. What if I told you that there were some who did not leave? I don't know. What, were they too settled there? I think so. You see where I'm going with this? They got too settled. They're in slavery. And they didn't leave when God set them free? When God took them out of Babylon, they didn't want to go? I wonder, hmm, when the rapture happens, as quickly as it's going to be, in the twinkling of an eye, I just wonder, when God takes us out of this world, are there going to be some like them then that are like, I really don't want to go. I got it too good down here. Things are just starting to 
get back to normal. <laughs> I better not go there. One last thing. I haven't shared this in a while, too. I got suspended in high school. My friend and I, just something stupid, and almost got expelled, almost didn't graduate. I was so rebellious. I wasn't saved yet. I didn't get saved till 19 after I graduated. I'm not proud of this. I'm just sharing with you. I was a teacher's kid, and man, I just, I, I made the mistake one time of getting on the honor roll. I made sure it never happened again. That's how, like I said, I'm not proud of this. Anyway, we did this stupid thing. We stole these plastic cups and, you know, from the cafeteria, and then we got busted, and the principal was just a, you know, he uh, basically said, you know, I, I'm going to consider expelling you, but you are suspended for one week. And we and he threatened graduation and the whole thing. And uh, boy, my my dad was so. Now I know as a father, oh, he was just so grieved, so grieved. He was old school. He would never really show the emotions, but I know that that he probably wept. So when I got back from my suspension, I had this one teacher, not a Christian, pull me aside told me, she said, you know, there are, and she'd been teaching for many years, she said, there are some kids that really don't want to graduate because these are the glory years, man. I mean, they're the, you know, captain of the team, they're the cheerleader, they're the this, they're the that, and and after all, they're, they're the ones, you know how you're told in high school, you enjoy high school, it's the best years of your life. I'm like... This is the, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> really, it's it's all downhill from here. Anyway, and I'm not going to go there either. But she said, you know, they don't want to graduate, and then when they do graduate, they're always living in the past. They still got their Letterman jacket. They still got their you know class ring. They still got their. I mean, they're just living in the path. They never move on. And she said, I look at you and I know you don't want to be here. I'm like, I don't <laughs> she said, and I know it's hard for you, hard on you. That's clear. And yes, it is. <laughs> and she said, well, that's a good thing because you want out of here. Can you connect those dots? I think God is turning up the heat in this world on the affliction level so that we'll want to get out of here. Because if things are so good down here, it's kind of like, yeah, Lord, come soon. No, when things are like they are now, it's, Lord, come quickly. Come yesterday. If not yesterday, today. If not today, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, please, the next day. If not the next day, you you got to come, Lord, because I don't know. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. You want to go. Ah, turn the heat up in the furnace of affliction. And so that when the declaration is made and the trumpet sounds, it's time to go. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm, I'm so out of here. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospel's mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah right here on In Spirit and Truth. 